Hi there and welcome. My name is Ryan Callahan and I'm the student's pastor here at Fountain Springs Church and it's my honor to be with you today. I want to jump right into a story found in the Old Testament. I'm actually going to be reading from 2 Kings 4. So if you have a Bible near, grab that. Let's read together 2 Kings 4 starting in verse 1. It goes like this. One day the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Verse 2, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Seven verses and we're in the midst of this desperate moment. This desperation where really three things have occurred. Here's this lady who's lost her husband, who was the patriarch of the family. He was in charge of everything. In fact, the Bible talks about the fact that he was a prophet, a leader. And he worked with this guy named Elisha. And he's died. And now this lady is grieving the loss of her husband. And then she's strapped with the second thing, which is a bunch of debt. Here she sits with the loss of her husband, a huge debt to deal with, and third, her sons are about to become slaves. And they're becoming slaves because of the debt that she can't pay. You see, her husband was in charge of making the money. You gotta understand her position. She's desperate for something to happen and she's got nothing. She runs to Elisha and she just begs him to do something. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever walked a day in this lady's shoes? If we're honest with ourselves, I know you have. I know you've been at that moment where divorce is on the way or you lost your job or something has happened in your life. Maybe you lost an opportunity or an investment fell through. Or a wayward child has gone on and now you don't know what to do. You're desperate. Maybe a diagnosis has come from the doctor where it's a fatal diagnosis and there's really nothing that you think that you can do. There's nothing. And here you are in that moment. Maybe some of you right now can think of a pain like that. And you might be actually comparing yourself to this lady in this story. And some of you are going, my situation's not that bad, Pastor Ryan. And others of you are going, there's no way. This actually is the, I'm actually in a worse case scenario than she is. But regardless of where you are on that spectrum, the comparison will kill you. So I have to tell you right now, don't compare yourself to this lady's situation. 
I want you to take your pain right now and I want you to move it to the forefront of your mind. I want you to think about the thing that you keep ignoring or pushing to the side and I want you to think about that pain and hold on to it. And the reason I do is because I need you to understand that holding that pain in front of you allows you to acknowledge that it's there. You need to understand that when you acknowledge that the pain is there, it becomes real to you. Too many times in our life, what we do is we cope. We try to push the noise away or the thing that we're dealing with away. But we have to understand that when we acknowledge it, it allows us to move forward in life. If you're in pain right now, I want you to move that pain in front where you can see it. And I want you to imagine what it feels like to feel like you can't do anything about it. Then in this story, we, we see in, in verse two, she, after she runs to Elisha and asks him what's happening, he says this, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked, what do you have in the house? There's this moment where he's wanting to find an outcome for her, for the pain that's right in front of her face. He's trying to figure out what the outcome or result could be, or he's trying to solve her problem. And she says, there's nothing. There's only this, this jar of oil that, that I'm actually saving for my death. See, she had nothing, which meant she was so poor that all she had left was this little oil that they would use as she died to make her body not smell so bad. That's what's going on in the midst of the story. And she goes, I almost forgot. That's the only thing I have. And he says, go get that. And I want you to go neighbor by neighbor by neighbor. And I want you to ask for jars. Just start collecting jars. And collect as many as you can, house by house by house by house. See, the prophet sees her need. He meets her exactly where she is. He doesn't tell her to be somebody else. Now, you may or, not, you may or may not know this about prophets, but prophets were the mouthpiece of God back in the Old Testament. And so you have to understand that if a prophet is meeting this lady right where she is, God himself meets us right where we are. Too often, we think that our pain isn't important to God, and he doesn't see our situation, but he does. I actually want to take you to a place in Matthew where it talks about the fact that he knows our pain and he knows our situation. Matthew 10 verse 29 says this, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Here we find that God himself, right? Jesus, these are the red letters, which means Jesus was speaking this to the people that were listening. And he's saying, you see that sparrow? How much does that cost? Not very much. Your hairs, every single hair on your head, I know how many are there. There's this little girl in Texas. I, was act I actually worked for um, this guy as a youth pastor. It was my first youth pastor gig. And his daughter just got cancer. 
which basically means that she's going to start losing all of her hair. And to imagine the fact that God knows how many hair she has on her head today and that that's changed since yesterday is incredible to me. It means that God knows exactly where you are at every moment of every day. And he sees the pain and he knows. And he doesn't ask you to be somebody else right now. I need you to understand something. It's okay to not be okay right now. In this season of ups and downs, in these moments where where life is just colliding with us and we're losing this sense of normality, it's okay to not be okay. But you got to understand that God meets you right in that place, just like this lady who all she has left is her burial oil. He meets her right there and he meets you with your pain, that diagnosis, that divorce, whatever it is. And he says, what do you have in your house? And many of you go, I don't have anything in my house. And you're probably right. It probably feels like you're so alone right now. But I need you to understand that there's something in your house that God's about to use. What we find in this story is that he tells the lady and her sons to go house to house. And so they collect all these jars and they just put them open and, and they go and they shut this door. And they're behind the door and there's this moment where they're, where they're all just there. And she's like, all I have is a little bit of oil. And I know he said to pour it out, but I'm really not sure what that really means. And and so I guess I'm just going to trust that he knows what he's talking about. And uh, oh, do do you guys see what's going on? That it's turning into something else. Hurry, give me another jar and another jar. And she's going jar by jar by jar by jar. And then... The oil stops when she runs out of jars. A miracle. A moment that there's this angst and this nervousness and this, I I have to acknowledge the pain and the prophet said to do this and I'm really not sure how to make that pie. I guess I'll just trust. And she just begins to pour her faith out. She begins to trust that the prophet knows that God's going to get her through this moment. I wonder why the door was shut, though. I wonder what, what she was thinking as she processed this miracle happening in front of her eyes. And I imagine that she's weeping as she looks at all the jars laid out before her with all this oil to the brim. God made this miracle happen. And you have to understand that she's taking these jars and she's going to the marketplace and she's sitting in front of these jars selling this oil. And her neighbors are coming to her and going, hey, can I get my jar back? And she says, yeah, once I sell the oil in it. And she's sitting down and she's telling the miracle of what has happened. She's talking about this God that loved her, that saw her, and then she did this thing. She only had a little bit of oil, and as she's telling the story of the leftovers and what God has done, somebody else is getting to see the beauty of this miracle take place. 
You have a pain, a loss, a heartache, some, a disappointment, a discouragement. Something has happened in your life and there it sits in front of you and it's so easy to look at it and think this will never be better. It will never change. Because when we suffer, it's as if we're standing at a mural with our hands right in, like the murals right in front of our face and all we can see is the dark of that color. And see what faith does in God and what miracles do is they back us up from that picture. And now we get to see the beauty of what God is doing in our life and in our story. And when we get to see that beauty, we get to share that beauty. And this story becomes something that God uses for those all around the world. See, I'm telling you a story, an age-old story. But she got to tell this story over and over and over over. See, God made a way where there seemed to be no way. I wonder if your setback is God's setup. Let me say that again. I wonder right now if the thing you think is ruining your life is the thing God wants to use. Your setback is his setup. What if that's true? Well, no, not for me, Pastor Ryan. I mean, that's a cool story for her, and that's a cool story for them, and that's a cool story, but not for me. You don't understand my situation. Yeah, I do. I've lost friends, and I've lost a fiance, and I've lost loved ones. I've lost, so I know what it is to lose. I know what pain is. I know what suffering is. I don't know what your pain and suffering is, but I do know a God that loves you and cares about you. And he says, don't stop asking for that thing. Don't start, don't stop imagining that I have these miracles for you. In Matthew 7, he was actually talking about prayer. And he said this, Jesus, Matthew 7, verse 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if you, your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? See, God sees your need. He meets you right where you are. And all he's asking you to do is pour yourself out. When you don't think you have any more, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep trusting Keep moving toward this idea that he knows exactly where you are and he's got the fix for you. You don't have to figure it out on your own. All you have to do is take one more step. There's this community in Africa and they're called the Nimba people. And these people, what they do is when they're expecting a child, when a lady has become pregnant, what they do is they go as a community out into what's called the bush or the wilderness of Africa, and they sit under a tree and they all listen. 
They all listen to the sounds that are around them, and they together collectively listen to a song being sung about the child that's being born. And they're silent until this song becomes this communal tune for this child that's about to be born. And this music starts to approach and they start to sing this song together as a community. And the young child gets a name, but more importantly, this young child gets an identity, a song that identifies who they are. And this song is sung for them. And the, 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 this process is, is now started. Before the child is even birthed, there's this song being sung over their lives. And every moment that's a powerful moment or a moment of loss, this song is sung again. She falls down and hurts herself, the child, and they pull the child together and they sing the song over the child. She graduates school and it's this epic moment and they sing the song over the child. And this song goes all the way until she gets married. And when the two people get married, they meld the two songs of the individuals together. See, this is what I'm talking about. This story and the stories that are found in the scripture are songs of words that God is singing over your life. And if you could just get behind the words and trust that this song is being sung for you, not for your neighbor or the person behind you or beside you, for you. God has a purpose in your pain. God has a solution to the problem you face today. And all he wants to do is sing these words over you. I love you. I'm for you. It's going to be okay. It's not okay right now. And things don't look great. But we can trust that he is good. There's a lady in our church. And she uh, lost her, her father. And this was a devastating moment. Imagine right now, your father passes away what you feel. You feel a sense of loss. Like, where, who am I going to turn to when I have a need? And she's lost her father. And in the pain and the grief and the process of, of learning how to carry on, she tells the story. I was looking in scripture and I just found over and over and over again that God just said, get moving. Trust that I have a plan and just get moving. And so she started sending flowers to people or words of encouragement to people through uh, little notes. And then as she stepped out, as she poured the oil of her life out, what she found is that she herself was finding healing and hope and and trust and she her trust was being built in God as she served those around her as she poured her oil out it began to expand she began to see herself as a conduit for healing when it when there's a painful moment or a suffering she actually even started a small group and she's walking different people through different things. See, God is bringing people that have pain into her life so she can speak a new word over their lives. And that's the way it works. When we pour ourselves out in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain, when we just trust that God's enough and the little bit we have, we pour out, we trust him, 
What happens is he multiplies it. And then he brings people to us so we can tell the story again of how he did that thing for us. I know you're sitting there and you're wondering, this is all great and I, and I wish it was true for me. It is true for you. It is true for you. The thing that you face today, the thing that's right up against you, God wants to tell a new story through. And you need to learn to trust him in the midst of the pain and the unknown and all of the scariness. Shut the door on the noise of life and just begin to pour yourself out. Trust that God is making a way where there seems to be none. And yes, it's going to be scary. And yes, you're going to want to give up. And yes, you're going to want to stop pouring yourself out to help somebody else. Why would I do that anyway? It's because in the midst of helping somebody out, God is helping us out. I want you to know something. That God loves you. And the story he's writing right now. He's setting you up to share with other people. So I want you to look at your pain. I want you to acknowledge it. I want you to acknowledge that God is good and that he can do something with that pain. And then I want you to start helping other people and see what happens. See how God can move your situation into something completely different. Let's pray. God, I come before you and I just thank you. I thank you for a moment where we can look into your scripture and this song can be sung over our lives. This song that we, we shouldn't give up. We shouldn't just accept the pain for the pain's sake. We should accept the fact that you are good and that you are moving in our lives. And the thing that we feel like is a setback, God, is this thing that you are using to set us up to help others. I pray right now, God, for those that are struggling, that don't seem, seem to see a way out, that you would meet them right where they are and speak this song over their lives. And God, I pray that you would get all of the glory as we see the miracles happen in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.